Welcome to the Holiday Podcast, where we sit over some fresh-baked challah bread on Friday afternoons here at my dining room table. I'm your host, Tammy Priest, a Jewish follower of Jesus, and it's great to be with you again this week as we take another look at the intersection of the old and the new. So I don't know what the weather is like where you are, but here in North Carolina, it's wet and cold, but not quite cold enough to snow. So I'm really wishing that I was back in my childhood place of Iowa, um, where I grew up, um, or up in the mountains, just a couple hours away where there's snow. Um, but here I am. So at least I have some warm challah, right? Um, anyway, as I was looking wistfully at the webcam at the top of Sugar Mountain, my brain started wandering and I started thinking about Moses going up to Mount Sinai, probably because I'm in the middle of reading Exodus right now. Um, and I figured since I can't go up to the mountains, I'll just count the number of times Moses went up the mountain. And I'd never really thought to count them before. I mean, I knew it had taken him two times up the mountain to get the tablets with the commandments on them since he smashed them the first time around. But I hadn't thought about how many times he actually made that trip. So according to reading through Exodus, um, Moses went up the mountain seven times to talk with, with uh, God. So as I was skimming through Exodus to count these trips up and down, something occurred to me. If I were Moses, there are a couple of times in particular that I would have decided to not go back down, uh, to just stay up on the mountaintop with God. Um, so the first one was when God let Moses know about the golden calf, that uh, while Moses was gone, the camp had descended into madness, basically, and were worshiping a statue they'd made from their melted jewelry, led by his brother, who should have known better. Um, but Moses pleaded with God to forgive them, and then he headed down the mountain to assess the damage. Of course, once he saw it with his own eyes, Moses was so mad that he smashed the tablets on the ground. He was probably wishing at that point that he'd never actually come down, um, but he did. And he led the people through their consequences and their repentance, um, because that's really why he spent time on the mountain in the first place, right? To learn from God how to lead these newly freed people into becoming the nation God had rescued them to be, right? Um, so that first time I would have stayed on the mountaintop was because there was something bad going on at the bottom. But the second time I would have chosen to stay at the top of the mountain um, wasn't to avoid something bad at the bottom, but to stay with something awesome at the top, um, the ultimate mountaintop experience. Um, you may be familiar with this moment that Moses tells us about in Exodus 33. Um, he tells us about how God spoke with him face to face, but Moses wanted more. Um, now, before I go further, a quick commentary. Um, rabbis explain that face to face was a figurative term. They didn't actually look at each other uh, face to face. It meant that in their incredibly special and unique relationship, God spoke with Moses in straightforward terms, um, not visions or dreams or parables. Um, just like two people having a conversation. But even so, Moses wanted to see God. Um, and we can relate to that, right? Um, and so in verse 18, he proclaims, 
Oh, let me behold your presence. And God answered, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you the name Lord, and the grace that I grant and the compassion that I show. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man may not see me and live. And the Lord said, See, there is a place near me. Station yourself on the rock, and as my presence passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and shield you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. So Moses carves new tablets and goes back up the mountain alone early in the morning. And this is what Moses tells us happens next. The Lord came down in a cloud. He stood with him there and proclaimed the name Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in kindness and faithfulness, extending kindness to the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. There's so much we could talk about with this moment. Uh, maybe sometime we'll just camp out here on these verses for an episode or a bunch of episodes, but I'm trying to stay on task today. I will comment real quick on a couple words though, because they help give a visual of what happened. Um, so when God refers to shielding Moses with his hand, he uses the Hebrew word kof, which isn't the common word for hand, which is yad. So kof usually means the hollow of your hand or power, and it's often used as a poetic term for a screen or a shield, which in this case was the cloud. Um, the other thing is when God says that Moses um, can see his back, um, commentators refer to this as, I love this, um, traces of God's presence, the afterglow of his supernatural glory. That's what uh, Jewish commentators say, um, which I think is an incredible visual. Um, traces of his presence and the afterglow of his glory. Um, and when Moses sees and hears all of this, he immediately hits the ground and bows low. Um, just the afterglow of God's presence puts Moses's face in the dirt um, in absolute awe. Um, but what's amazing to me is that again, Moses didn't stay in that moment with God and say, you know what, I'm just gonna stay up here with you. Because that's not what Moses was called to do. Um, Moses knew that the whole reason he was invited to spend time alone with God up on the mountain was to share him with the people waiting at the bottom. Moses was something special. Um, and that otherworldly moment between Moses and the creator of the universe, um, the afterglow of his glory, um, that was the last time Moses was called up the mountain. Until, until he went up one more time to meet face to face with God on a mountaintop, really face to face. And that's where our old and our new intersect today. Let me read to you about this. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. 
There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus and they came down the mountain. When I read this now, I just wonder what was going through Moses' thoughts because he had begged God to see him face to face. And now uh, Peter, James, and John were up on this mountain and they'd been walking and talking face to face with God in the flesh for years now. And it was the exact opposite of Moses' experience where, um, he was begging for this glimpse. Um, the disciples had been walking with God in human flesh every day, um, fishing. And now he was transformed before their very eyes so they could behold his otherworldliness, traces of his glory. And then the father spoke, just like he'd spoken to Moses. Um, on Sinai, when Moses wanted to behold God's presence, God had proclaimed from a cloud of glory who he was, um, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in kindness and faithfulness, extending kindness to the thousandth generation um, and forgiving every kind of sin. And now on this mountain, that very same voice proclaimed to the disciples from a cloud of glory, the very same thing that all of his compassion and grace and patience and kindness um, and faithfulness and forgiveness were living and breathing in this God-man in their midst. Moses must have been in awe. Um, I mean, I know he'd been living in glory for a long time by this point, and he had clear eternal perspective on everything. But still, to see it all play out must have been an amazing thing. Peter thought so too, right? Because his immediate response to seeing Jesus transfigured in the presence of Moses and Elijah was to just stay camped out on the mountain with some shelters, um, which of course was the opposite of Moses's response that we talked about. But Jesus was gentle with Peter here. He didn't chastise or correct him. He just told the guys to not be afraid and started walking them back down the mountain. And the very next thing we read, they're back in the thick of it, healing a boy with epilepsy. Just like Moses had gotten right back down to the business of guiding the people and building the tabernacle. And so here's the beautiful thing for me. Um, I'm gonna take us back to Exodus for a minute. Um, the very first time that Moses went up uh, the mountain to be with God, God made this really special 
promise, kind of a prelude to the covenant with the people. Um, he tells Moses that Israel would be his treasured possession. He actually calls them this five times. Not just that the nation would belong to him, but that his people were a treasure to him. Um, the Hebrew word, um, segula, literally means wealth or jewels that you lock up or protect or even hoard. People are God's treasure. And that's why Moses was compelled to go back down the mountain. Um, Moses had to go back down because the people were the whole reason God had called him up in the first place. And in the same way, the three disciples weren't supposed to stay up on the mountain building tents for Moses and Elijah and Jesus to hang out. The whole reason Jesus let them see this incredible sight, to see glory on the mountaintop, was because he wanted to help them love the people waiting at the bottom. Moses and the disciples had been invited up for the sole reason that they were to go back down. Just like the whole reason Jesus came down to earth was so that he would be lifted up on the mountain of Golgotha. And the whole reason Jesus then went down into a grave was so that he could bring his treasured possession, us, back up. And not just up a mountain, but beyond the mountains to be with God himself one day. He overwhelms me sometimes. So I'm gonna pull myself together, but I invite you to really think about what it could look like in your life to go down the mountain and care for the people that God treasures. I look forward to being with you next week when we'll talk a little bit about love in honor of Valentine's Day. But for now, as you meditate on what it looks like to go downhill for God, I wish you a restful holiday.